Hey friends, and welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. Moving Mountains is a place to hear true stories of modern day miracles told by ordinary people just like you and me. My name is Paige, and I'm joined here in Alaska by my dear friends, Margaret and Bernadette, as we witness accounts of how God has worked in people's lives in big and small ways. As you listen to these stories of hope, answered prayers, and unexplained phenomena, we invite you to allow this space to inspire your faith and even to help you recognize the ways in which God is moving mountains in your own life. Let's do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome back to the Moving Mountains podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest. It is Miss Marilis and you might know her as X Nun on the Run on Instagram. Marilis, say hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> she just got stateside, um, which is very exciting. And she has her adorable little puppy, Romeo. <laughs> um, so before she jumps into her introduction and her story, I believe Margaret has a very important question to ask. I do. Very important. You guys ready? Night yes. shower or morning shower? Mm. And I understand that if you have children, it might be shower when I can. But what's <laughs> your ideal? I'll go first. Night okay. shower, 100%. And I'll add to that that it needs to be early evening because if I get too tired, because I often get, you know, I don't know, I start winding down around 7 30 because I'm an old lady at heart. So there are times I'm like, I should have showered an hour ago and I just don't do it. I'll go to bed and shower in the morning, but I <laughs> definitely prefer a night shower. So that's mine. I can totally relate but, to that. Okay. <laughs> yep. I have always been a night shower person because I like to exercise at some point during the day and I do not like showering twice. So if I shower in the morning, then I feel like I can't work out because mm. I don't want to have to shower again. But then on the flip side of that, Margaret, the same thing will happen where it's like, oh man, now I'm just tired and I just want to relax before bed. So I guess there goes another day without showering. <laughs> but it is different with kids now because a lot of times it ends up just being during Michael's nap. Yeah. So yeah. What about you, Paige? Oh, What are you going to say, Margaret? I just feel like, Showering has become a chore the older I get. Yeah. <laughs> How long can I go without <laughs> having to do that chore? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I am definitely, I'm actually a midday shower. Oh. Definitely, like, or maybe, like, later morning. Yeah, later morning or midday. Um, but... If I had to choose between night and morning, 100% night, because 10 out of 10 times, I will not wake up to my alarm to go shower. Ah. I will always choose sleep over showering. (laughs) So for the sake of the question, (laughs) night shower. What about you right now? It really depends on the day. Yep. (laughs) Because I have naturally very curly hair. Mm. And so if it's a hair wash day... Because ah. I need to allot myself like two hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, with everything, oh it's a process. But if it's a hair shower day, then I do it in the morning. Like I'll get up at five in the morning to do wow. it. Wow. Just to oh my get goodness. it all out of the way. Um, but if, if I don't need to wash my hair, then I'm a night shower. 
Shower. Shower. <laughs> You're a night shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. thank you all. Good That's fantastic. Cool. I appreciate your answers. Yeah. All right, Marilis, go ahead and give your little intro and then you can just jump uh, right into your story. Well, I'm Marilis. I live in Florence, Italy. It sounds crazy to me to say that because it wow. just happened. I just moved there a month, not even a month and a half ago. Um, how I even got there is wild, but um, I am a, I work in diplomacy um, for a nonprofit human rights organization called the Vulnerable People Project. We serve vulnerable and persecuted populations all over the world, mostly um, in the Middle East, Africa, China, um, my main role is helping get refugees out and resettled. Wow. So mostly Afghanistan, um, getting our Afghan allies uh, evacuated and then resettled in a third country, usually Europe um, or the United States, mostly Europe. Um, yeah. And um, I I'm Catholic, devoutly Catholic, love, have been cradle Catholic my whole life. Oh, a huge part of my story is I was in the convent for eight years. Um, it's funny because I realized recently I'm getting to the point where that's not at like the forefront of what I share about myself anymore, mm. um, which is crazy because it's such a big part of who I right. am. Yeah. Um, but I left, I entered the convent at 19, so wow. I was super young. I dropped out of college to enter the convent. I was at Catholic University and had always kind of, um, I've always had a relationship with Jesus from a very young age, grew up in a Catholic home, but it was like a Sunday mass type of a family. Right. Catholic home, um, but there was always just kind of this inclination for me to want to spend time with, with the Lord. And I did all the normal things, you know, like dated in high school, kind of dated in college, but there was always this kind of like um, pull for me to discern religious life. And it was one of those things where by the time my sophomore year of college rolled around, it was almost unavoidable. <laughs> and the more I avoided it, the more it was like, you need, you need to like, discern, you know, Jesus was just very gently persistent, but persistent nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And, um, I yeah, so I discerned, met uh, the community I was with it was a Franciscan community, and um, felt very at home there. And I knew I was supposed to enter there because mm. after my first visit, um, when I went back to school, all I could think like it was. I mean, I don't know if women think like this with like dating and marriage. Um, I haven't experienced it in dating, but <laughs> I would go, I'd be in class and I think if I were at the convent right now, I'd be in adoration or if I were in the convent, oh. I'd, be at, <laughs> I'd be at like midday prayers, you know, like it was always back to the, the life mm. of prayers for the sisters. So that's how I knew that I was needed to discern more deeply and, um, you know, when you enter the convent, it's not like you're like a full fledged nun right away. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably it's anywhere from like a six to nine year process before you're in final vows. And so I dropped out of college to enter 
and um, went through the novitiate, made first vows, and almost immediately, God works very uh, spontaneously in my life. So um, I always have this notion of like my life going one way and it like he totally will throw me a curveball. No one else can relate. Um, I definitely but, can for sure. But, um, right. But I, um, so I made vows and the mother superior under who I made vows had, um, she asked me to study to be a teacher, which I was so happy to do my like dream life for myself in religious life. And even today, like I've never kind of desired to do great things. I've always like wanted to be hidden in a way. Um, but my dream life as a sister was to teach fourth grade in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So like, I just, <laughs> that's what I, when I, and my, when mother asked me to be a teacher, I was like, yes, my dreams are coming true, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, so I went off to study, went back to school to study, to begin, you know, studying to be a teacher. And then, um, we got a new mother two weeks later and I went home for Thanksgiving break during the semester and the new mother called me into her office on thing. I'll never forget. It was on Thanksgiving day. And she told me I was being transferred to work at the Vatican. Wow. And I was like, what am I going to be doing there? Yeah. And so she was like, you'll find out when you get there. Oh my. Um, so served. And it was only supposed to be a one year assignment, but it ended up being three years. Whoa. And Whoa. Yeah, served at the Vatican Embassy in Washington, D.C. My first year, I got to serve Pope Francis um, when he came to the United States, which was just, like, wild. Um, not anything wow. I ever imagined for myself, but it was definitely, like, a very formative experience, getting to work right at the heart of the church and gave me a whole different perspective to the church that I don't think right. I would have had any other any other mm -hmm. way. And it was definitely... Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I'm very open about about it being the most difficult experience of my life, but not anything I would ever want to take back. Um, so did that for three years and then eventually did get transferred back to St. Louis um, and went back to school. And the closer I got to final vows, the more I just was like very restless. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. didn't want to make final vows because it was the next thing to do. Mm, you know, yeah. like I didn't want it to be because it was an expectation, even though it was a very scary decision right. to leave because religious life was all I knew as an adult. You know, yeah. I didn't know how to be an adult in the world because um, yeah. I went from college to like living at home to college to then the convent. Um, yeah. So I didn't like I didn't even have a bank account or or oh, any wow. of the things that like normal, I guess, 20 something year olds learn you know, out of mm -hmm. as adulting, quote unquote, I didn't know how to be an adult. <laughs> I also came to the point where I was like, well, I shouldn't make final vows because I'm afraid of what the world has in mm -hmm. store. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't do it because I'm afraid of um, what people are going to say. That's something I was afraid of, you know, like feeling like I was a disappointment to my right. parish mm -hmm. or to my family or to the community that I left who worked really hard to get me to the convent. Um, I didn't want to let anyone down, but I also didn't want to make final vows for that reason. For and sure. so it's, as hard as it was to enter, it was 
even harder to leave in a way. Oh, I bet. But like God just kind of, I mean, blew my life up from that point yeah. on, you know, when I thought I would leave and I really thought like my life, like I've, I'm an epic failure and um, everything I imagined for myself, like I like, I'm, I just did like, I'm horrible and I like failed at everything and I'm letting Jesus down and I'm letting the, everybody down and I'm letting me down. And I, like my entire identity and who I was, was encapsulated in the identity of sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, like, I didn't know who or what I was. And that, that was three years ago when I left. And the last three years have just been this progression of him reminding me, like the Lord reminded me of like, who you are is my beloved, whether you're in the convent or outside of it. And then just like, allowing him to lead me in this path of, you know, where, where I, where I am today. Cause I never imagined in a million years that I'd be living in Florence, Italy with this nugget. Do work that I'm so passionate about um, day in and day out and travel the world and get to meet the people that I get to meet and, it's just been a wild ride. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great intro. <laughs> Sorry, it was kind of long. But that was amazing. Okay. I thought you did it yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, I have some thoughts. I don't know if I should share them now or later. Yeah. Share them now, Margaret. Well, just one thing is that I have a cousin who did the exact same thing. Eight she years. Left. Discerned out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I maybe she'll be on here someday to share her story, but just watching thinking about the struggle of like, I feel called to this and then feeling called away from it. And so many people yeah. are afraid to, to, to make that left turn or whatever. Right. And, you know, I don't, I think it's important for people to realize that you were called to enter at that time mm-hmm. and then God called you out of it. It doesn't mean that yeah. you were doing it in the wrong place or this right. wasn't what God wanted mm-hmm. for you. Like, right. Or that, that time was wasted. I remember thinking right. like, Oh, this was, I just wasted almost a decade of my life, but it wasn't because I wouldn't be able to do any of what I do now without that experience. It's like Jesus actually just wanted to form you for eight years in a very specific way. I mean, all of us, I'm sure you know people as well, Marlis, but the three of us girls in this podcast, we know multiple men who were in the seminary before marrying one of our friends. Um, And it's just like, you know, it's part of what makes them really great men is the time that they spent discerning, you know, what is my vocation going to be? For Uh, sure. And then eventually Mm -hmm. choosing marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also like, so like interesting because you're thinking like, I don't know how to adult. Like I've been in the convent for eight years, but like thinking about all of the experiences and all of the like, knowledge and wisdom and things that you learned in the convent and like with your work with the Vatican and just, you wouldn't have, like you said, you wouldn't be where you are today without taking that step first in that journey. And you probably gained so much of what you like your expertise of what you have today through your experiences with the convent. Yeah, absolutely. And then just, um, be like I feel like I look at the world in a totally different lens. I'm sure you know, and yeah, both for yeah, sure. both both ends took so much courage. So it, it takes courage to enter, right? Yeah. 
And then it takes, I almost feel like you said it was more difficult to leave. I think yes. it, it takes a lot of courage to leave because, you know, there's people out there. I've heard stories of people like, yeah, I just, I went through nursing school because I didn't want to be a quitter, but I hate nursing yeah. and I spent all this money. And I'm like, why would you, well, why I mean, would you I know, do that? I know <laughs> sisters who, who, who stuck it out for, are still sticking it out because right. that they just didn't feel like they had a choice or like, I don't, you know. Um, and are are not happy people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really tough. So I, it's it's a very courageous thing you did, and I honor what you did. And everyone who mm-hmm. you know enters and leaves because they feel called is. I just think that's part of the path. That's part of God's plan for you. And you know, my story is not mm-hmm. the same. But there were jobs I was working for years. I was like, this. I'm not doing anything. And then I come mm-hmm. into this job. I'm a youth minister, and I realized that basically everything I had done leading up to this prepared me perfectly. For and sure. I never mm-hmm. would have thought. And I was just like, wow, I know how to do that. And I know how to do that. And I don't need to get into the nitty gritty details, except that it's the same thing where it's like, it has actually those things that seemed mundane and totally not important or exciting were, were leading me to this place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just thinking it's like for people who can't relate in a religious life sense, you know, it's the same with like engagement early on in one of our episodes So Bernadette was engaged before she met her husband, Kyle, and we did a whole episode on her story with that. And she had to take that huge discernment of like stepping away from that engagement Mm -hmm. and not taking those final vows. Um, Yeah. And that's why, I mean, the church is so wise and I, I don't think we talk about this enough, but that's why there is a process of like when you enter from the time you enter religious life or seminary until ordination. Mm-hmm. That there's so many years in between that so that you can properly discern. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really for you. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for sharing all of that. And I'm really, really excited yeah. to hear. Like, I, I feel like we just recorded an episode hearing your intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to hear what story you're going to share with us so today. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we would love to hear your story. Okay. So when I was thinking about which part to share, like I said, I feel like every day of my life is a miracle. Well, amen to <laughs> that. Like God is always doing these things that I'm like not expecting or it's very spontaneous. But um, so last summer, you know, we, it was still pandemic, mm-hmm. um, but Italy had finally opened up for travel. And so mm-hmm. after I left religious life, I kind of, lost contact with the, my community and um, just didn't keep in touch with the sisters for a solid year, which was good on both ends. I think I needed it to be able to, you know, adjust back to the world. Um, but I was always very close with the mother superior under who I made vows. And so not talking to her for a year was very painful. But um I had uh, she had heard somehow that I was going to be coming to Rome and she emailed me and she was like, I'd love to see you while you're here. And so we were able to reconnect Um, a year later, you know, COVID happened, whatever. And um, I had promised her, you know, as soon as Italy reopens, I will come. And so sure enough, Italy was one of the first to re like allow travel to happen and I was in graduate school at the time. So I, you know, I said to her, I only have a week. I can come. Um, 
but I want to see you and like come to Rome. And so I ended up making the trip. It was only supposed to be a week long visit. And I ended up staying four months. Oh my. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How I even got to that point was, I mean, it's only God. So mm-hmm. she and I were sitting one afternoon at, at our convent and she was like, you know, and I just was at a place of like very much going through the motions. I was in school because it was like, to me, it seemed like the thing I needed to be doing. I was in school when I left the convent. So I just c- kept going. Um, but I wasn't thrilled about it. I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't like excited either. So it was a very kind of, I guess, lukewarm type of a situation. I'd hit this lukewarm point in my life and mother just, she just knows, you know, she knew me very, knows me very well and never kind of beats around the bush. She just says things like they are. And she was like, I think you should move back to Italy. And I looked at her. I was like, how, how does one just pick up and move back to Italy? <laughs> I was like, That's so, and then so she starts brainstorming. She's like, why don't you drop out of your program and apply to one of the pontifical schools and like get a degree in philosophy or theology? Like we were just trying to brainstorm ways for me to be able to stay, you know, because you can't mm-hmm. just like pick up and move to a foreign <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, just pray about it. If if it's God's will, it's going to happen. We don't need to worry. I was like, okay. So I, the next day, <laughs> the next day I go to Assisi oh, and God. I said to St. Francis, I was at his tomb. I was like, I don't know why, but it seems like what mother said to me kind of unlocked this like desire that I didn't even really know I had, but is just there, you know? And I was like, I don't know how I can move here, but like, if it's God's will, then I'm entrusting it through your intercession. Not even like two hours later, I get this direct message on Instagram from this girl I went to college with. She was a couple years ahead of me in school and we weren't close friends, but we like were acquainted, you know? And she was like, hey, I live in Italy now. Um, I met a guy, I met a guy through Catholic match and we're engaged to be married. Um, we'd love to see you. I was like, you know, I was, I told her, I said, I can't get it. She was all the way up North. It was about a five hour commute from Assisi. I was like, I just don't have time. I'm supposed to be leaving Italy tomorrow. Like it was like the, the, the next day or the day after within the next couple days. And she goes, um, well, you know, if you just happen to change your mind and stay longer, I have an apartment that I'm because I'm moving out of this apartment to into the new apartment that she'd be living in with her husband. Oh, and my like, God. oh are you subletting it? And she goes, no, I already paid the rent through the fall. It's just oh. going to be sitting empty. I literally oh. I was like, if this isn't God, <laughs> just like handing me what you know what I mean? On a silver platter. Right. And even then, I was still like, no, I can't just drop everything. Um, (laughs) I can't just drop, you know, like, I was like, I have responsibilities at home. Hey, Francis is like, come on. Yeah, I had a different job. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Um, So I went back to Rome. I remember telling mother about it. And she's like, just go to the tomb of St. John Paul II and (laughs) see what he says. 
all second, and you're like on a little scavenger hunt, visiting the saint. It was just a very, um, I mean, I was, despite like almost the chaos surrounding it, there was just a piece of my heart. And the only thing that kept coming to me in prayer as I was sit, like kneeling before the tomb of John Paul II was the word stay. Just oh, like wow. stay. And even like, I don't know what, you know, I didn't know what was to come um, if I stayed. And like I said, this was still like deep pandemic. So I was like nervous that like the country would shut down again or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't want to get stuck there. Um, and, but I went with it. I, I, I texted that friend right away and I was like, Hey, I'm going to take you up on that apartment. If it's still available. And I did. And I ended up staying in Italy all four months and that time, you know, really kind of, reset me as far as like where is it the lord wants to lead me and like what kind of life does he want me to live and it it very much came to the conclusion of he doesn't want me to be living in a state of fear he doesn't want me to be living in this state of like lukewarmness right um leaving the convent and coming back to the world was very much almost kind of this second chance at life you know in a way of like living in my my life in a way that glorifies him and isn't like mundane or just allowing myself to go through the motions because that's like what the world expects me to do or what I think the world expects me to do. Um, but I think he needed to remove me from the bubble that I was living in in Washington, D.C. I was in Washington, D.C. at the time. He needed to remove me from that bubble and take me out of my comfort zone um, and put me in a place where I really didn't know anybody except for mother in Rome. But he, you know, put me all the way up in Verona, the, st- the, the city of Romeo and Juliet, um, <laughs> where Romeo, Romeo got his name from. My oh. dog. Um, where I didn't know anybody, but allowed me to like kind of reset in a way. Um, mm. And then while I was there, Probably this is like miracle within miracle. Yeah. <laughs> um, while I was there, I ended up going to Medjugorje kind of accidentally. <laughs> I mean, not accidentally, it was God. But <laughs> because I was so like, this was, you know, a lot of the, the pandemic stuff was, Italy was just super strict about it. And I w- felt very unsettled about a lot of things. And so I, I uh, was... Um, on a bus one day, just talking to our lady about it. And I prayed a memorare. I was like, just tell me what to do. Like, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Literally prayed this memorare at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> and as soon as my memorare was over, my phone rang and it was somebody, a friend. And he was like, do you want to go to Medjugorje? And I was, I was very skeptical about Medjugorje when, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just like, there was something in me that just impelled me to say yes. And I don't know if it was because, I don't know, it was probably our lady. And I said, <laughs> yes. And he was like, everything's taken care of again. Like this is God, mm-hmm. you know, like you just need to get to Rome, catch a 3 PM train from Verona to Rome. So I had an hour and a half to <laughs> run, get back to my apartment, throw everything in a backpack and get to Medjugorje. And I ended up staying a week. Didn't know where I was going to be staying until I got there. <laughs> and it ended up being, 
I guess every year they have this thing. It's called Malati Fest, which is a Marian youth festival. So think World Youth Day, but for Our Lady. And cool. 60,000 people from all over the world showed up. And I just yeah. remember thinking, how did you all get here, first of all? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, but there was just, that was kind of where I, I, you know, came to that conclusion of like, Jesus does not. Cardinal Seurat led the entire festival. He was in wow. like the main, like I don't know, speaker, whatever you want to call it, main the headliner. Like the of the event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And, um, that was very much a theme of like we are not called to live in fear, um, you know, as children of God. And mm-hmm. I mean, seeing like sixty thousand people from all over the world kind of reaffirm that. But then for me too, of like. Even besides just what was happening two years ago, just in general, like we live in this constant state. I mean, at least for myself, like I've always been kind of like afraid of many things and Mm -hmm. have always kind of struggled with anxiety, even from a very young age. So is this like Jesus does not call, like he does not want me to live in in fear ever, Mm -hmm. um, but rather in a state of like openness, very much like the blessed mother of like just saying yes and it's not needing to know what is coming. Like he simply wants my yes and will take care of me moving forward, even mm-hmm. though it's going to get hard sometimes or, you know, uncertain or whatever, you know, come what may. Right. Um, That's also amazing how there were 60,000 people at this event yeah. in a pandemic time. That's what I mean. Just- yeah, just like, to like, I was show. like what, what what airlines let you fly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that those people were so fearless in being yes. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like and they could have like, gotten stuck, you know? Yes. Like could have been a change where like, oh sorry, you can't fly home for months. Right. But that was that was like such a state of freedom because I remember that was a thing, you know, before you could leave, everybody had to get tested to get out like they were so they had testing sites mm-hmm. there. Um that was just a normal thing. Even if you're vaccinated, you needed to show proof of, you know, that you didn't have yeah. COVID. Yeah. And um, I remember asking people like, well, what if we, you test positive? And they were like, well, I guess it just means I need to stay here longer. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, it was just, just a state of like fearlessness and not, carelessness i think mm-hmm, sometimes yeah. we mistake that like because you're fearless it means you don't care or you're just mm-hmm. like flippant about what's happening and it's yeah, not it's that at all rash. yeah it's very much just being in a state of trust and surrender that like we live in a false sense of security that we all think we're in control but we're really not you mm-hmm. know yeah um so and i love too yeah. that you you said you, you were going, you didn't know where you were going to stay. And yeah. the thing that came to mind for me was God works in us and we grow the most when we're uncomfortable. Yeah. So we walk into this unknown thing, even though it's like laid out in front of us yes. and it's, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And ultimately right. I think the result often ends up better because we are entrusting ourselves yeah. to the Lord. So maybe we're not worrying it like we normally would. I know for me, if I plan too much, I don't tend to enjoy myself as much. Yes. If I planned too much when it's spontaneous and oh, let's go to Magigori in an hour and a half. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, beautiful especially, things come of that. Literally, especially for myself, I'm 
very type A of like, I need everything laid out and planned out and I need an itinerary and, you know, and so, I mean, he really just stretched me in. You're just going to go with it (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's going to be great. And it really, it really was, you know, like I didn't know where I was going to stay until I got there. Again, Instagram has just come in clutch for me. Because somebody saw that I was going to Medjugorje and she was like, I I lived there for seven months or however many months she lived in in Medjugorje. She's like, do you you know where you're going to stay? And I was like, actually, I don't. And she was like, oh, don't worry. I'll get in touch with somebody. And I just trusted this random stranger on social media. Like, when I think back on this, I'm like, but yeah, I just was like, okay. And sure enough, this man was at the bus station waiting and he was like, are you mirrorless? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Am I mirrorless? <laughs> I don't know. You know? I was like, are you a serial killer? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I tested him, and turns out he and his family own this vineyard, and they had an actual retreat center, but that had been sitting empty for the last two years. Of course. And um, so it was just me and these three women from Germany that were there. Um, for they they all knew about Melody Fest. I was like, I don't really know why I'm here, but I'm here. Um, <laughs> and I called their house the Garden of Eden because they had like every imaginable fruit. Oh you my god. And then That's this amazing. whole entire vineyard. And the mom was so sweet. She like cooked for us and like I mean it was just a very home homey type of a place, very mm. hospitable. That's and then amazing. I just Again, didn't really know too much about Medjugorje, but I was always kind of skeptical only because I didn't know like what Medjugorje was. And I was like, the church hasn't officially approved this. What is mm-hmm. this? Um, but again, I think that probably worked in my benefit because I just went into it not really having any kind of expectations. Um, so, yeah, it was a wild week. That's but so, so crazy. So and then I ended up loving it so much that I went back three weeks later. Wow. <laughs> but that time I like knew. And I just, I, that was probably more of my skepticism too. Cause I was like, I want to come back here when there's not 60,000 people here. Mm, Amen. And yeah. see if this is still like as, you know, beautiful of a place without all these, you know, like I didn't want it. Right. I didn't want to love it because I was on that like retreat high of like yeah. having this done praise and worship and had beautiful like adoration and mm-hmm, such yeah. i mean the liturgy was so reverent every time mm-hmm. um and i'd never been i'd never been in a crowd and i've gone to world youth day before um but i'd never been in a crowd of that many people where during adoration you can hear a pin drop yeah wow you know or like that during the mass that like mass was so reverent with that many people um wow. So I wanted to experience it outside of that. And I mean, it was just as beautiful, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if not more, because it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I mean, I get kind of overwhelmed by crowds. So Mm -hmm. I I would feel like, like when I was in Rome, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people here. And then I went to Assisi and I was like, oh, like there's not a lot of people here. This is amazing. (laughs) So Very what well. did like what did you end up getting out of that trip to Medjugorje? I think just that's that again that like don't be afraid, you mm-hmm. know. We're not called to be like living in any state of fear. Um 
and really to just trust that that God has you in the palm of his hand. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. need to know what's coming, what, you know, whatever the future has in store, but to just know that I'm going to be taken care of. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that, like, life is going to be this, like, state of, like, you know, constant consolation. There's always going to be suffering in the cross. Um, But even in that, he's he's there. Um, But that trip led me to then really make decisions in my life of, okay, if I'm, if I'm going to be living in this state of fearlessness, like what changes do I need to make? So I did end up like dropping out of graduate school because I just didn't want to, you know, comply with certain things. And um, I mean, DC was like, it's a very intense place. (laughs) And I didn't know, I didn't have like a job lined up. Um, But I just was like, I just don't like this isn't, you know, I'm not called to live in a mediocre. I just felt like I was in a very mediocre state of like, I'm just doing it. I'm fine. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, you were surviving, maybe not thriving. Yeah, like I wasn't. Yeah, there was no thriving happening. It was like I wasn't miserable, but I wasn't like happy or like fully alive either. Um, I was just happy to like okay, I can pay my rent and, you know what I mean? Like I like had all the, the boxes checked of what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but I, there was a very kind of like looking back now, I could see like a sense of like, there was like a, se- a part of me that wasn't fully alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is that funny kind too? of how you, I was just going to say, is that kind of how you felt in the convent? Like you're no. checking all the boxes, but you didn't like, in a different way, in a okay. different way. But that's a really great question. I very, yes, in the convent, I very much was like following all the rules and like doing what I was supposed to be doing and, you know, just wanted to be a good sister. Um, but I was, I was like doing it to a point of like not even recognizing who I was anymore. So I was very mm. unhappy, you know, okay. and like, okay crying all the time and just not like becoming very withdrawn and I'm not that type of a person. So it was, it was one of those things of like, I, I didn't want to bring other people down either. So when I was with my sisters, I was like, you know, like it was a great day. And mother, like I would tell mother, I mean, I was very honest with my superiors about my current state. So I'd tell her like, I'm just not doing well. And she was like, but you're always smiling. And I'm like, but I'm telling you, I'm not doing well, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Which I'm very grateful that like God still in that, like I was somehow able to still be transparent. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's a really good question, but no. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's just interesting how sometimes you're in a, a state and you're not thriving, but you don't realize you're not thriving. Yeah. Like if, if somebody had said to me before that summer, this was just a year ago, before last year that they were like, you're not thriving. I'd be like, who are you? I'm great. <laughs> you know? Um, but looking back, it's like, what was I doing? Mm-hmm. Why would I let myself settle for that? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so, so beautiful to see how, like, the Lord will completely wipe our slates blank and just, yes. like, call us to trust him in order to draw us into his plan. Because yes. I can totally relate to being type A. 
I want to know the plan. I, you know, like I wish I could have a five-year planner and Mm -hmm. just like the unknown and, you know, just for example, breaking off the engagement. That was a very, very dark and difficult time for me, even though I felt peace about it. Kind of, you know, with you leaving the convent, you were clearly very sure, okay, I shouldn't step into this when I'm not a hundred percent sure that this isn't just because it's the next thing I'm doing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, I was very clear. I'm not meant to enter into this marriage, but like the Lord just uses those times of complete, um, it's like taking you back to square one. You're making those choices to step into the unknown, but it really does create a space where he can just ask us to trust him. And just Mm -hmm. like all that we're given is the next step when the thing that we want is to be like, Hey, here's the plan from God. This is what you can expect. It's like, he's like, no, sorry, I'm not going to give that to you because you're a person who needs to learn to truly trust on me and surrender, you know, surrender me to me and lean on me. Um, and there's just like, there's no way to learn that without going through these experiences. And I just love listening to your story and seeing like, you know, you were in the, uh, in this place and on the set path and the Lord obviously had eight years of like very deep time forming you. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to pull out the rug from underneath and like, (laughs) I'm going to work with you, my type A daughter, and just like, you know, call you all over the world. And you're going to get these little nuggets, like a nugget from mother, a nugget from St. Francis, a nugget from Mm -hmm. St. John Paul, this friend who's going to call you up in the department, this friend who invites you here, you know, and it's like every step of the way you just opening up more and more to that place of like, wow, now I can truly say, um, I'm, I'm in a place of fearlessness, not carelessness, but like, I'm ready to, with intention, just step into whatever this unknown is that the Lord calls me to next. And, you know, here you are today saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I live in Florence, Italy. With my little dog Romeo, yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. into and the conversation that, for sure. And like that summer is what led to it because, like I said, I ended up dropping out of that program. I quit my minimum wage. I had a, a job as well, so I quit that job and didn't have anything lined up. But I was very much at peace, and I there was almost this certainty of like it's going to be okay. Like I'm going to be taken care of, which was such a strange notion for me to experience that because like I said, type A needs always have a plan. Um, And then three months later, uh, ended up meeting my now boss. Well, I'd known him already, but we ran into each other in DC during the Dobbs hearing outside of the Supreme Court. Mm. And um, ended up meeting with him the next morning and catching up. And he knew my, he knew my background, you know, he knew that I was in the convent, like he knew all that. So um, he was like, Hey, I just, he had a nonprofit organization already, but he opened kind of, he started a non, another nonprofit under the larger nonprofits umbrella. So the one I work for is the vulnerable people project. And he was like, I need a, a diplomat, <laughs> like somebody who can do, he's like, because I'm not diplomatic at all. Would you be willing to do that? And I was like, well, I need a job. Um, <laughs> and too, like that, I mean, it literally was my, if I could write my dream job, I didn't even know it existed. Mm. This is it, you know? And it's, wow. it's getting to not, serve. 
It wasn't the- not being a fourth grade teacher in Oklahoma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still would love to teach fourth grade. It's like so many things though, right? You know, you like, you think you want something and then yeah. God, you're yeah. like, God, why did you take that away from me? And right. then he gives you something and you're like, this is the thing I wanted that I ne- didn't even know existed. Didn't even know. Well, I wanted yeah. to say too, like, this is, you know, sometimes when you're afraid to ask God, of big things like mm-hmm. it's just, like, this isn't possible or this is too too great of an ask mm. um and somehow I, it's like it's a combination of not feeling worthy to be able to ask him of it but then too it's like doubt of like that he right. could he could pull it off and mm-hmm. he would pull it off for you yeah. and that's very much how it felt for me of like i didn't think i you know a just deserved this like how how could i ask of it and then b i didn't know it existed like such a thing Mm -hmm. existed so i didn't (laughs) even know to ask you know what i mean um of getting to like serve the poor and serve the vulnerable um make a living doing it like actual living you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um get to do all the things like i i i work remotely um, get get to travel. I love to travel. So get mm-hmm. to travel. Our My first year doing it, we went, gosh, I don't remember how many countries now, but you wow. know, like got to travel a ton. Um, and then four months later, he asked me to move to Italy. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. We look forward to sharing part two with you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. If you have a miracle story to tell, please call our hotline at 412-449-9609. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Moving Mountains Podcast AK. We encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share our podcast with others. We'll see you next time.